This is the Inherit Dream Podcast Network. Welcome to the Inherent Dream Podcast Network, home to 763, the local morning show, the Trevor J. Brown Show, and bonus content Saturdays. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Inherent Dream and follow us on X at Inherent Dream. The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inheritdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, Trevor J. Brown. Welcome into another edition of the Trevor J. Brown Show, right here on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. I'm so excited about this program that we have for you tonight, because I'll be joined by my good friend Ross Brendel. I met Ross back in 2007 while we were attending Brown College in Mendota Heights. In our interview, we discuss how we got into broadcasting, go for football, favorite Minnesota sports memories, and much, much more. This is just part one of my interview with Ross. Part two will air next week. And be sure to check out Ross's work. He has a podcast called Minnesota Sports Chat, which you can find on Spotify. He also works for Score North as their podcast manager. After Ross, Mark Stone is here. We'll break down the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, get some picks on the books, and hopefully win some money with Stone. Then we'll wrap up the show with some commentary this week, and I pose the question, why does Taylor Swift drive the Gen Xer and millennial males nuts? Welcome to your weekend and your new favorite podcast, the Trevor J. Brown Show, right here on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Realtor Elizabeth Jamelli and Merwin & Associates Real Estate Services has over 35 years of experience in all aspects of real estate in Elk River, Zimmerman, Sherburne County, and beyond. Beth and her team can help you find your new home or sell your current one. She also has homes available in a beautiful 55-plus community in Elk River, off of Line Avenue, one block north of Aber Auto. You can reach Beth at 763-286-3729. And be sure to check out current and featured listings on her new website, MerwinAndAssociates.com. Elizabeth Jamelli is the official realtor for the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Time to relax, time to treat yourself, time for a massage. Time to head to In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands Massage specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. They also offer salt lamps, essential oils, and much more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. My guest tonight, a very, very good friend. He's the podcast manager with Hubbard Broadcasting, also host of Minnesota Sports Chat. 
You can find him on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling it now at the Ross Brendel. His name, Ross Brendel. Ross, welcome back to the Trevor J. Brown Show. It is wonderful to be here, Trevor. Thank you for having me back. It's been a little while, but it is great to be here. So thank you. I actually say welcome back, but I don't think we've had you on the Trevor J. Brown Show. We used to have you on another round all the time. And then, of course, life gets in the way. Our producer, Hack, uh, thought there was some beef between us or something. Hack's a moron, but you're here now and we appreciate it. You know, I appreciate the unwarranted shots at Hack. Some would say <laughs> some would say that Hack turned out to be a hack. I don't know if that's uh, quite true, but we miss him. Let me start with this. What inspired you to get into to radio broadcasting? Ooh, Really good question. In a weird way, or maybe it's not even a weird way, I think it was just a familial connection from the standpoint of growing up, driving around with my father, who would always be taking us kids to and fro places, and he would be listening to the radio, uh, coming from the standpoint of the metro area in the Twin Cities. So whether that was listening to Tom Bernard, KFAN, or games on the radio, in a weird way, somehow, not quite sure how, it just kind of built up this this bond of maybe connection between my father and I, but really what it did was it was a conduit to sports, which, like a lot of people, I, I love. You know, I try not to take them too seriously because they're not real life, but as I told somebody over the last week or two, the games itself don't matter, but the experiences that come from the games do matter. And if you want to take that full circle, I think the experience of just being in the car with my father or family and friends and driving around and the connection that at the time, again, this is going back into the probably early to mid-90s and into the late 90s, early 2000s, that a host or a broadcaster could build a connection and have an interpersonal relationship with somebody that they didn't know kind of stuck out to me. And that always stuck with me. And the beautiful thing now is what you're doing and what I'm doing, how I make a good chunk of my living is you can still do it in the traditional radio form, but now you can do it in YouTube. You can do it in podcast and you can find people all over more than just in your immediate market. So it's kind of evolved. I would say my passion within the business and within radio, within broadcasting, I would say it's a slightly changed, but by changed, it's more just developed into other avenues. I still love the traditional radio medium. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I do think it's changing. That's undeniable. And I think it's changing for the better with podcasting and YouTubing and social media influencers. As you know, Trevor, I love to ramble. I, I hope that kind of <laughs> touched on it, but it's it's been a wild ride. It really it really has for me. And it hasn't it hasn't come without its ups and downs. It definitely has. I think there's ups and downs every year, but you keep doing it much like anything in life because you love it. Did you have certain broadcasters in the market on radio and TV that you sort of idolized growing up? A lot of those guys in the uh, early days uh, of KFAN, you know, I remember being probably middle school age, again, late 90s, early 2000s, probably being one of 
a few people. There were others, but were listening to sports radio. I bet you I exclusively was listening to KFAN back in the day. That was the old, you know, Mike Morris on in the morning with Corey Cove. And then you had Paul Allen and Jeff Dubay, the common man, Dan Barrero, who I was able to work with a bit later on in life when I was a, was an intern and uh, even Corey Coven and Henry Lake at night. Henry Lake, of course, still in this market, the Minneapolis-St. Paul market, now with WCCO Radio. Uh, but a, a lot of those guys, and I, uh, working working with and interning with on the uh, Dan Barrero show in the afternoon, and then at times even being able to run his weekend show back in the mid-2000s was just an awesome experience for me. And even coming full circle, Trevor, I think everybody... In this state of Minnesota, again, I know people are listening all over, but in Minnesota, if you grew up here, everybody knew who Tom Bernard was. Mm -hmm. And I never really had the chance to ever meet him or see him or work with him until recently. He's now part of the Hubbard, Hubbard Broadcasting Network, Hubbard Podcasting family. And I've been able to be at a couple locations with him, even on a boat dinner cruise with him. And at a couple of work functions, and, and, and that's been awesome. I know he's he's polarizing to a degree with a lot of people, but the person that I've been able to get to know, it, it's it's been really fun and a rewarding experience. So yes, the Tom Bernards of the world, uh, the Dan Barreros of the world. I, I wish I saw Dan more. I I, I really do, and I, I've told him. I, I don't know if I've told him in person. I've definitely told him in card form. I'm sure I've told him in person. All these. All these years later, still one of the more impactful things on my career was working with him and and learning from him, and I really appreciate that. And at the same time, I was able to build a connection with Phil Mackey, who was at KFAN and then 1500 ESPN and is now running Score North here in the Twin Cities. I've known Phil now for 15 years and worked with him off and on for a better part of that time frame. And he's just a gentleman that I think the world of. He's literally changing the game, not just locally and nationally. And a lot of stuff that he has instituted here locally, people are doing nationally. So I've really been lucky and I've been blessed. Ross Brendel, my guest tonight here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. You can find him on Twitter at the Ross Brendel. You mentioned how you listen to sports radio growing up i remember in in junior high in high school when i got my license driving around if i didn't have a green day or blink 182 record in the car stereo it was on kfan and i was listening to what you were listening to you know pa and dubay chad hartman was a huge influence on me barrero and the thing that i loved most well I, i still love these guys but the thing that i liked the most about him was yeah, I mean, they work for a sports talk station. We're going to talk sports, but they'd also dive into politics. They dive into news and they would have these real interesting interviews. It was funny because Hartman the other day had something on Twitter about Johnny Carson. And I wrote to him and I'm like, the days of, of Carson, he would run circles around the night shows today because Carson not only was funny, but he was also a great interview and he had these eclectic guests on. It wasn't just always Hollywood. He would have politicians on, he would have authors, he would sit down and 
actually talk to musicians instead of just having them on for a performance. And I always found that to be very impactful. Another guy for me that was very influential for me in wanting to get into broadcasting was Paul Majors. Paul Majors locally was a stud. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was so great at the Nationally news. renowned, too. Yeah, I mean, there was rumors at one point that he was going to be on like the nightly news host. I mean, he was he was that good and he got an opportunity to go to LA and I know people leave this market sometimes, but they usually don't go to LA or Chicago or New York and if they do, that means they're pretty pretty damn special. So, do you remember you mentioned how how uh your love of broadcasting it's sort of tied with with your love of sports. Do you remember as a kid the the first one of the first sporting events you went to and what that feeling was like that is a great great question wow i really appreciate that um i i do there were there were a few i remember coming home from elementary school probably first or second grade and in the backyard do you remember those pitch things where you would throw a ball at a net and it would kind of come back to you it had the box yeah. for the strike zone my dad was setting one of those up in the backyard, and I think it was that night, it was kind of a nice way, maybe even introducing me to the sport. We went to a Twins game, I think, that night or that weekend. I, I do remember that, and I would have been six or seven, maybe eight at the oldest. Sorry on the time frame there, I honestly don't know, but I know it was probably first or second grade, so I think that makes you, what, six or seven? And I do know I only went to one North Stars game. I know my my family, at least with my father, that memory is really sketchy because the North Stars left in 93. But I do remember I went to a North Stars game and I do remember watching them on um, on TV. But also with that, Trevor, I, I know my dad and I together, him and I had go for football season tickets at the Metrodome for years. We've been to countless games together. So I... Just remember the remember that and all the memories that just kind of came from those opportunities. But I believe the first game that I vividly remember was a Twins game at the Metrodome. And I believe the game was closed out by Dan Serafini, if you remember that <laughs> name. And that would have probably been somewhere in the early 90s. This is not the 91 Twins. I I want to guess this was probably the 93 or 94 Minnesota Twins. Heck, it could have even have been the strike year. But yeah, I vividly remember it was kind of a two-pronged thing. I came home. They were setting up the pitch net in the backyard after a day at school. And then I think we went to the Twins game that night. It was just my father and I. And that was the first of of many, many games. Heck, we just went to a gopher hockey game together a, a few weeks back. I think it was the day after Thanksgiving. So again... We all want our teams to do well, right? Especially, especially me, Trevor. I am. There's not. There are teams outside of Minnesota. I'm more tolerant of and don't dislike. And there's teams outside of Minnesota. I might have a bit of a rooting interest in, but I don't really care if they win or lose. For me, it's all about the teams here in in this state and being able to be with my father through the ups and downs. A heck of a lot more downs than ups. You know that's. That's been fun. So again, yeah, at the end of the day, you want your teams to win and results do matter, especially for the players being paid to to try and win if you're talking on a professional level or heck, even now at the big time college level. But for me, it's the experiences 
that sports allow independent of the result. You know this, Trevor. We've been to a couple of gopher football road games together. I go with a group of buddies now to some gopher football road games, primarily centered around seeing a buddy we went to high school with who no longer lives here. So we tend to pick a game that he can get to or even in his home state of Nebraska. And I typically go to those games. More often than not, it's not a great matchup for gopher football. But even if it is, going to the game and wanting your team to win can't be all of the trip because the odds are they're not going to win or they're not going to win every time. It's the experiences and the trip that come with it that matter the most. Maybe if it's a stinging loss, you don't realize that right away. But once you get removed from it, it, you realize it was being with friends. It was being with family. It was being in the car together. It was checking out these new places and doing these new things together. That's what mattered. And I think everybody in life has a conduit for that. It just so happened to be that somehow at some young age for me, it, it was it was sports. Those trips that we took were so much fun. I obviously loved the the champagne trip to see the Gophers at, at Illinois, but going to Evanston Underrated too. Big Ten City, by the way, Champagne. Absol- and Evanston's beautiful. Evanston's beautiful. The thing, if you're just looking at College City, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I think the actual college experience, at least for town, I think is probably better in Champagne because it feels more like a college city. I mean, when you're in Evanston, it feels like Chicago, which is cool. I love Chicago, but it's definitely, it's definitely more city and, you know, at at Northwestern. Yeah. Evanston, or excuse me, Champaign, if I remember correctly, is basically 90 minutes from everything in every direction. Mm -hmm. There might be little towns on the way, but the only thing in that area is, is the college. And I mean, it does have some bigger city vibes when you get there. I think it's got a hundred ish thousand people and it does have some Chicago and some Illinois vibes but yeah you get 15 minutes outside of Champaign Illinois and there and there's not much and then that goes back to not to turn this into super sportsy talk Trevor but then that goes back to you know what some universities are up against or what some universities have to sell that others don't I guarantee you let's take a football recruit let's take the money part out of it now but let's just say it's a it's a middle-of-the-road football recruit, and he's going to Champaign, Illinois, I guarantee you that coaching staff is selling the full-time college experience. Look where we're at. We have this beautiful campus. We have this beautiful stadium. We're in the heart of the state of Illinois. You're, You're not isolated, but once you get outside of the city, you're isolated. This is the true college experience. Then you think of somebody like a Minnesota or even a USC and a UCLA they're probably selling different things. Hey, you're getting the big-time college experience, and we have a great campus, but you can go five minutes in any direction, and you're in a major metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. Well, and also compare that to, like, Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern might be the best school in the Big Ten, right, for for academics? Yeah, academics, and you have to, you know, for football recruiting. I, I don't know if it's still the same, but at one point... At one point, I want to say your ACT score to get into Northwestern had to at least be a 24. And you can argue all day long about what do standardized tests mean or is 24 a good score or a bad score. Well, I can tell you, most colleges, you only have to get like a 19 or a 20. 
So they set their bar a little bit higher for academics. And I can tell you, Trevor, the only kids going to, and I don't, this is not to speak ill will of Northwestern and, and their student-athletes, but the only kids going to Northwestern with ACT scores in the mid-20s are athletics. You know, they're, 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 your, they're your sports players on campus because if, if that's your normal ACT score and you're going for whatever Northwestern excels in, that's probably not going to get you into the school because they take academics very seriously, you know, as they should. And that's their prerogative. Anybody, anybody can do what they want with their university. Uh, it just shows how important, like for Illinois and Champaign, they're probably not going to land a lot of five-star recruits, but for the three and four-star recruits, you got to hit home runs with everybody that's really good in that state. And if you don't win there, then you're because what's going to be the incentive to draw somebody from podunk missouri i mean they could go to missouri if they're good enough yeah and on the sports side trevor so much of it is is development you know uh, pj flag at minnesota has done a, a pretty good job recruiting comparatively you know this season obviously for them was was largely a disappointment but comparatively you know to his predecessors and since we've really been keeping track of this He's done a pretty good job, and I think that shows overall in his record since he's been here. But even projecting out this time around, consensusly, everybody grades the stuff a little bit differently. And again, I do argue, what does it really matter? But this time around, the Gophers got the number one recruit in the state of Minnesota, the state of Wisconsin, and the state of North Dakota. Now, I always say, what does that really matter? You still have to develop these kids, and we've talked about this numerous times you can get three and four star players and you can coach them up to be fours and fives. You can get ones and twos and you can coach them up to be threes and fours. But now it's even different. I think you've got to be, and now I'm dovetailing off into sports again, so I apologize. But I think with some of these kids, Trevor, you really have to be open and honest with them. More so than ever. I think you always did. But, you know, at the University of Minnesota, I sound like I'm on this pj fleck infomercial (laughs) but he always talks about this is a life development program yeah and and i applaud him for for saying that because i think you have to put that out there in the public to try and look in a weird way it can temper expectations and maybe help you keep your job but what he's basically saying is and i hope he's saying this to a lot of these kids that he's recruiting you know you you're a good high school football player and you can go somewhere and you can play right now if you want to. That might not happen at Minnesota, but I guarantee you when you play, I'm going to need you and you're going to be ready to play. So I think you need to be more open and honest with kids more so than ever because they can freely leave after a year. So if you're going to be this quote-unquote life development program, I think you need to be open and honest with a lot of these kids and say, Hey, if you want to play right away, this might not be the university for you. Or depending on the position and availability, it might be. But if you're willing to come in, sit for a year or two, you're probably going to start and play big-time football two or three years down the road. Now, if you want to start somewhere else, you might have to go to a different conference and do that. But it's it's an entirely different ballgame now with essentially being able to pay players and every year is college football free agency. Uh, imagine Trevor in the NFL – if a player, even though their contracts are, are kind of worthless, you know, they don't they don't really mean much aside from the guaranteed money. But imagine in the NFL, Trevor, if every player, even Patrick Mahomes, 
could sign his deal and after one year tear it up and say I'm going back to the market. Yeah. That's what's happening in college athletics yeah. right now. In college basketball, football, and eventually it's going to trickle down to hockey. And and it's a mess. I think the sport's aware of it and they have to figure out how to address it. But for now, it's the wild, wild west. And I think the only way to be a Minnesota and continue to build a program that is not a complete also-ran or flyover program is to be as open and honest with kids as you possibly can be. And that's more than just football. That's all sports. I know the volleyball program lost a couple of players at the end of their season, and it's historically a very good volleyball program. couple more sports things. We'll obviously uh, weave in and out of sports here, but, you know, a lot of people give P.J. Fleck a lot of crap, and I, I've been one of them, but now as it's been a few years, I think it's more of a me problem than him. And I'll explain. I just, he always, for the most part, comes across as very, very super positive. And I'm in a way naive on that because I don't, I don't understand. I'm a realist and I don't know how people can be that positive in the limelight or the spotlight all the time. And, but I can't take that out on him because I don't get it. Like if you're that way, I applaud you actually, because I just, I can't be that way. I think your colleague, I heard him say it best. Judd Zalga had said at some point on, on one of the shows, he kind of came out and said, well, you know, if you fire PJ, what's the next answer? Like, you're just going to take some guy from a mid-major school and bring him in. Like, is that really something better? Unless you're going to bring in, you know, Nick Saban or John Harbaugh or some huge name for this program and spend way more than what you're spending now, is it really an upgrade? I, I think as as sports fans in Minnesota, sometimes we take for granted what it is. I mean, maybe the go for football program, maybe once every five years you compete and you maybe win. Uh, maybe you're in the, the conversation for, for a conference title. And then there's some years out of the five, maybe two of those years you win eight, nine games. And then there's a couple of those years where you struggle to get to a bowl and Maybe that's just what this program is. That's what it's going to be. And and I don't know if there's anything necessarily wrong with that. What do you think? Well, I think history would, would back up exactly what you just said. I'm going to try and weave all over here on this conversation. I'll try and make it as succinct as I can, which, of course, you know won't be super succinct. <laughs> Take but... as long as you want. This is the <laughs> easiest podcast I'm recording because it's, it's lovely having you on because... You not only have great insights on sports, but it's 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 these detailed answers that are are beautiful. So it's well, it's, it's also the beauty of a podcast, yeah, right? right? You know, radio you're more constrictive to a clock. Podcast yeah. you maybe are to a degree, yeah. but you know, not down to the second. Yeah. You know, on uh, PJ Flack, look, I you know me, I can I can be a cynic, but I also really do believe I generally, when it comes to the teams that I care about, I can be pretty positive. So, you know, this year I went into the year thinking they were going to struggle to win six or seven games. I, I thought, you know, a quarterback who played a little bit last year, just assuming that he was going to be great this year, was a huge assumption. And I think that turned out to be true. But but on PJ, you know, look, this year, yes, they did if you want to term it this way, backed into a bowl game. You're supposed to be six and six or better to get to a bowl game. This year the Gophers were five and seven. There weren't enough six and six teams. 
So a couple of teams who are on probation, they need to fill three spots. Two teams who are on probation from moving up to big-time football, which is another thing, couldn't technically go to bowl games. They were allowed to this year because there weren't enough spots. There was one spot to fill between all the five and seven teams. The Gophers were the best in the classroom. So yeah, I guess I'll steal a page from PJ. The rules say when we don't have enough teams, we look at the teams that are the best in the classroom at five and seven. That was the Gophers. So yes, they they did earn their their third tier bowl. But Trevor, he's been to even throw this one out. He's been to four bowl games in six years here in his last six years, not the first year. Four bowl games in six years. I know there's more bowl games than ever, but three of those four bowl games included regular seasons that hit eight wins or more. And again, you can say they're not beating the best teams in the Big Ten, and by and large, for the most part, that is true. I would also tell you, since Murray Warmath, most coaches here aren't beating the best teams <laughs> in the Big Ten. So you can't at the same... You can't, there's a name for you. Yeah, you, you can't... <laughs> You can't rip him, but also not give him credit for at least beating the teams that he should and occasionally having nice seasons. Next year, college football, Trevor, goes to a 12-team playoff. In 2019, when the Gophers went to the Outback Bowl, if I remember correctly, at one point that season, I don't think in the Outback Bowl, but all the way up through the year through the Wisconsin game, once they beat Penn State, the Gophers were a top-12 team. So... If there was a college football playoff of 12 teams in 2019, there's a very realistic chance that the Gophers could have been in that playoff. Or at least in the conversation. At least in the conversation. So I do think he deserves a lot of credit. He's already been here longer than I thought he would. He will assuredly be here next year for season number eight. I thought he would burden turn Minnesota and and try and get to a better job. There's probably many reasons why that hasn't happened yet. Not all in his control. But to his credit, he said from day one he wants to build a sustainable culture. And you can't do that by having massive changes and not being around for a while. So the fact that he said that from day one and is now entering year eight here, that that does mean something to me. Now, to your point on bringing in a different coach, anybody who wanted PJ fired this year, I don't even take those people seriously. That's not... That's not based in reality. I don't know, at least in my opinion, if you feel that way, you're allowed to have your opinion. I, I don't understand it. If he has back-to-back five and seven seasons and they were to miss a bowl game next year or back into one again because they're good in the classroom, okay, come talk to me. But a guy who essentially has had one 11-win season followed up by two nine-win seasons and then he has one down year, you want to fire him? That's how you stay in mediocrity and and don't excel. So I, I and I, I Mark Coyle was never going to get rid of him. So I have I have no issues with him being here. I think on the coaching side, he needs to change some philosophies, and maybe he'll do that this off season. He's talked about that, whether he does or not. That's anybody's guess. You mentioned the money and the spending part, Trevor. We've talked about this as long as we've known each other. Uh, uh, one of the problems at the University of Minnesota, in my opinion, when it comes to sports, and again, it's it's a state-run university, it probably shouldn't all be about sports, but sports are a great front door for your university. It's one of the best things you can do, again, in my opinion, to sell your program. If the Board of Regents and the President are not behind the athletic director and the big-time college coaches and doing whatever they can to bring money into the programs. And 
I think Minnesota has gotten better in the last decade, but it's nowhere where it needs to be. Case in point, if you like the Gophers' defensive coordinator, he's now, or former defensive coordinator, he's now at Michigan State because he's getting more money. And you can't begrudge anybody for getting any more money. But if the university wants to be taken seriously and take that next step, they need to find more money in multiple ways. You need more money for for coaches, and then you also now need to find a way to be pilfering money into these collectives, which pays players. And I I still don't love the idea of paying players, but I know in the current landscape, if you're not doing it, you're not going to win. Final gopher question for now before we move on. But now that we sort of know, we maybe thought about this differently because back when Glenn Mason was here, we were a lot younger and now we're in our 30s. Do you feel like, the whole situation with Glenn Mason was handled correctly? Because if you knew, if you could see into the future and be like, okay, you're not going to win the Big Ten, but every once in a while you're going to win 9-10 games, then some years you're going to struggle to be 500. Do you fire Glenn Mason? Do you feel like that was the, the time came, or would you have handled that maybe a little differently? I think, you know, if, if I remember correctly, he found out he was fired via career. So that that should never happen. And I think yeah. it was the day after their meltdown to Texas Tech. So that part would be handled differently. I've always said this about Glenn Mason. I understand why they would get rid of him. I think it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction because under under his watch, they had a propensity for blowing a lot of leads late in games. I had no problem getting rid of him. It's what was followed up with that replaced him and set the program back for quite some time. It should have been handled in a much more professional manner. I had no problem getting getting rid of him. I, I do think Gopher fans really should, though, give him a lot of credit. I'm not quite sure then TCF Bank, now Huntington Bank Stadium, gets built without the success that he was having with at, with at least putting 45,000, 50,000 people in the seats almost every week and bringing some life back to college football. And to this day... I still think it's a darn shame the University of Minnesota hasn't done anything with him at TCF or Huntington Bank Stadium. And to Glenn's credit, he's went on to have a great career in media, I think partially because of a gentleman that we talked about, Dan Barrero in KFAN. I think Glenn Mason's more loved in Minnesota now than when he was the coach. He's He, he comes across as a bit more fun-loving, I think, than when he was a coach. But then again, it's probably easier when you're not working 100 hours a week. But I think the world of what Glenn's done after college football, and I think Glenn at one point pretty much said, your shelf life is probably about 10 years, give or take, wherever you're at. And he was about at that point. And by the way, P.J. Fleck's now approaching that point. I do expect at some point P.J. Fleck won't be the coach at the University of Minnesota. I don't know if that's in a year from now. Or if it's three years from now and if he chooses to leave or if he's let go. But for the most part, you don't find many Kirk Ferences of the world or Nick Sabans that are going to spend 20, 25 years somewhere. And if they do, it's because to your point, Trevor, they're winning 9, 10, 11 games every year. And that's just not realistically possible at Minnesota, at least in the current landscape. So to a degree, I think go for football fans, as much as I hate to say this, you do need to have a bit of a sense of self-awareness. I did hear Mark Coyle say on the Gopher football pregame show uh, before the Quick Lane Bowl 
our football team needs to go to bowl games every year, which I agree with. They should be 6-6 six and six every year, even in the new landscape. They should be appearing in postseason play every year. And our basketball teams need to be going to the NCAA tournament every year. I jokingly said he must be listening to Minnesota Sports Chat because I've been <laughs> saying that for years. I'm not saying you need to win national championships, but there's no reason this university that is still, for the most part, aside from St. Thomas the only game in town, shouldn't at least be appearing in postseason almost every year. More of my interview with Ross Brendel next week here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. You're listening to the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Hi, this is Regina Noel Downing, the owner and instructor of the Regina Noel Music Studio and author of the Family Story Songbook series, including Give a Little Snuggle, The Bedtime Rhyme, and Dear Mom and Dad. If you are looking for educational entertainment for your school, daycare, or library delivered with a song, I'm available for live and or Zoom engagements and classes. And if you need an experienced guest speaker for educators, future educators, and even parents about how to build rapport and connect and teach effectively with compassion, please contact me. My email is author.reginanoeldowning at gmail.com or visit my website www.linktr.ee slash author r n d here's to you doing the best you can with what you've got i hope to hear from you soon printing done right business made easy that's what you get with jellyfish graphics in princeton jellyfish graphics offers high quality embroidery screen printing banners stickers paper printing and much much more A company built on the foundation of integrity, community, and veteran-owned. Get started with your project today and visit myjellyfishgraphics.com. Jellyfish Graphics is the official promotional products and apparel provider for the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Here he is, folks, Mr. TNT, Mark Stone on another free-for-all Friday Stone, how are you? I'm doing great, Trevor. Red hot on the bets. It continues. I'm on a heater, folks. 3-0 and last week. You can't ask for anything better. You know, I, I told you. I told you the carved in stone better the week. You take the Rams plus three, and I picked Detroit to win that game. I was dead hot on the money there. I also took the pack, baby, plus seven and a half. That was like, give me money. And the over in Houston, Cleveland. Come on, Joe Flacco, a couple more pick sixes, because I apparently didn't need them in order to cover on that one. So 3-0 and last week. We're, we're racking and stacking that cash. Well, I'm glad that you had a good week of picks. I was a little concerned when I got you on the line just because of how crazy the games were over the weekend out of the results in total in your opinion what was the best game and also what was the biggest surprise in your opinion well the best game i think we knew going into the weekend and we discussed this it was going to be the rams detroit game and that lived up to the billing you know just everything that went around it in a perfect spot on sunday night um biggest surprise definitely had to be green bay just totally coming into dallas and curb stomping the Cowboys there. Um, I was, I was, and as a 49er fan, I I traditionally 
hate Cowboys fans with a disdain, but even I was embarrassed for them. Um, and Philly. I mean, Philly was a team that showed up Monday night and did not want to play that game. And that was obvious. And Tampa continues to live for another week. What happened with Philly? I mean, I, I joked with you via text that it was the Dom curse. I mean, they, they, they kind of started playing uh, much worse once their security guy on the sideline got thrown out of that game. But this is a team where they started off, what, what Stone, 10 and 1? And then they lose five out of six or whatever the hell it was. I mean, that was a team Monday night stone that they just, they didn't even come to play. Like they, they were just done. They were checked out. We can talk about Matt Patricia. all we want that dude. If he has a job in the league next year, being a water boy, I'd be surprised, but there's, there's much more to it. I mean, Dallas Goddard yelling on the sideline at Jalen hurts. AJ Brown didn't play in the game. I know he was hurt, but you know, he had some beef with Jalen Hurts throughout the year about not getting the ball as much. There was some some beef in that locker room somewhere. I don't know if we'll ever for sure know what was going on, but that was one of the bigger collapses I've ever seen in the NFL in my viewing history. Yeah, to me, it was it was a fireable offense. We we said this. If this team comes out and again, we even said if they just lose the game, mm-hmm. but losing in the game they in the fashion they lost it in, I don't know how you bring Sirianni back. Apparently, there's going to be announcement on Friday. We're recording this on Thursday about whether or not he's got a plan to move forward from Jeff Lurie. I, I don't care what kind of business plan you're bringing for it. It's obvious the brain tr- trust that you had that made this team great left the building at the end of the season last mm-hmm. year. And Nick Sirianni's a rah-rah CEO guy. And that's the thing. I'm sorry, but if you're a young coach in this league, I don't want you being a rah-rah CEO guy. You haven't earned the right to be a Mike Tomlin yet. You need to be a guy who calls the side of the ball and for him being a former offensive coordinator now i understand when he was an offensive coordinator nindy frank reich called the offense not him but if you're going to be an offensive coordinator a former offensive coordinator you have to get your side of the ball right and there was nothing right in these last games leading up to this playoff disappointment in philly on the offensive side of the ball and just even in the game too you know what you, you don't have receivers you know Devonte smith's getting double coverage all game long aj brown's missing you got running backs galore and you're not running the football i don't care tampa's d yeah is solid against the run but you gotta try to establish a some semblance of that to take some pressure off your passing game and i get it if, i mean it, yeah it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense with what with what Philly was doing and I think Sirianni should be shown the door they they've shown Doug Peterson and Andy Reid the door for much less than this I think what's interesting I, I think we were texting during that first game and Houston just pulled away from Cleveland and I'm like I'm a little concerned here about what's going on for wild card weekend because the games last year during wild card weekend left much to be desired. Uh, Cleveland, you know, at one point they led in that game and then Houston just came alive. I think we kind of expected the chiefs to beat the dolphins. You, we were both calling Miami, the fake Rolex of the NFL all year long. And they were, I mean, they, they never beat a good team. That's a tall task to go into Kansas city. I understand that, but they were never in that game. 
the the surprise of Green Bay going into Dallas, not that they couldn't win, but I thought, you know, I thought if Green Bay would win that game, it'd be like by a field goal, not by what they won by. And in the best game of the weekend was that Lions-Rams game. We called that. The Bills-Steelers game, to me, was the game that went as expected. Bills should have beat Pittsburgh, and they did beat it. And then, obviously, Tampa Bay moves on, and, and they beat a very uh, bad Philadelphia team that came crumbling down. So now we are in the divisional round. Games on Saturday and Sunday. You get two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Let's get some picks on the books here with Mr. TNT Mark Stone. We'll start with Texans and Ravens. This will be up first, uh, 3.30 kickoff time on Saturday. The game will be in Baltimore. To me, Stone, all of the pressure is on Baltimore. Houston's playing with house money. They shouldn't even be here. They shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Baltimore, you have an MVP candidate with Lamar Jackson. You have a defense that is high and mighty. They fly all over the field. I'm going to take Baltimore to win this game. I think I think the score, the final will be higher than than it. The game will be closer, but I think the, Baltimore will get a touchdown later to make the score look more deceiving than it is. I think it's going to be a close game, though, for most of it. But I'm going to take Baltimore at home. Agreement here with Baltimore. It is the stone cold lock of the week. You got a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach. We talked about what D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are bringing to the playoffs, and they again they defunct what happened. I mean, previously rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback who hadn't been in the playoffs the year before, taking over a team 0 and 3 in the playoffs before last week. Again, Joe Flacco turned into a pumpkin in front of our <laughs> eyes in that game. Um, here it's going to be a little different. You're facing the Mike McDonald defense, which has been stellar all season long. Lots of different personnel practices, lots of masked coverages and blitzes coming your way. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be confused. And Stroud, even though he has defied all expectations this season and will be the offensive rookie of the year, he hasn't done well on the road. I've got this game rated at seven. It's a two for one, folks. We got the stone cold lock of the week in Baltimore here. And we also have the carved in stone bet of the week Ooh. in Houston at plus nine and a half. So I'm with you. It's not going to be a total blowout. Here's a couple stats for you on this. Um, Lamar struggles as a big favorite. We've always talked about that. Both him and Mahomes, and especially at home, at home. Career for Lamar, when he is a favorite, seven points or more, one in eight Ooh. against the spread. So I just, I, I think that you got kind of thing. Maybe, maybe Baltimore gets out, jumps on him here, confuses him, but. I think Houston towards the end maybe does a backdoor cover with a late touchdown and finishes within within the nine points that you need to make this bet hit. Um, I think they'll stay close enough to make it somewhat interesting, but Baltimore will always be in control, which is why it's the stone cold lock of the week. And yeah, Baltimore rolls on into the AFC championship. I like that analysis. And I think for Baltimore, I think, what you said, you hit it on the head. I think they have to start off and jump out early because the longer that you let Houston hang around, you let this team that shouldn't be there, they're playing with house money, you give them some confidence going into the second half, anything at that point is possible. The other game on Saturday, your team, the San Francisco 49ers, hosting the Green Bay Packers. This is another one. I think it's going to be close. But I think ultimately the downfall of this game is going to be Green Bay's defense. I like San Francisco in this game by at least a touchdown. 
agreement here. I've already made this bet. I bet it at nine and a half for San Francisco to cover. I believe this game is going to go going to go kind of like the Dallas game did right off the bat. San Francisco, either way, they're going to do it. They win the toss, they're deferring. Green Bay wins the toss, they're taking the ball. They want that offense on the field first. They don't want Christian McCaffrey and company, Debo and company, getting out on that field against the bottom five run defense in the league that Joe Barry's got here. <laughs> there. And yeah, uh, it's Joe Dingleberry. Don't get me wrong. They uh, they they showed Dallas a thing or two last week. Well, again, that's because Dallas can't run the football. We know that. So they kind of went right where the strength of this Green Bay defense is, which isn't much of a strength, but it's more of a strength than their front seven run defense. And plus two, you got to remember Matt Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan, both of these guys were were busy all their days when they were in Atlanta scheming up against Dan Quinn's defense. They know exactly how to attack it so really not much of a surprise that it kind of went the way it went Dan Quinn pivoted in that game going from a going from a man defense that he usually plays to a zone you go against a zone in this in this Walsh Shanahan McVeigh offense and you're going to get your ass kicked because they're going to automatically scheme people open into all the windows you have to play man here but that's where I think the problems lie for Green Bay I think they try to man up in this game it's going to be a disaster I do believe they come out and they score early get some get some things San Fran's going to keep it close and keep it with them they can't let Green Bay do to them what Green Bay did to Dallas and to Detroit on Thanksgiving and that is jump out quickly to a 21 nothing lead and everybody's like what San Francisco is going to be able to keep this close there'll be adjustments made in either the second quarter or after halftime where once again Shanahan will own one of his assistants once again and this time it's Matt LaFleur who he owns even worse than he does McVay (laughs) and it'll be game over in the fourth quarter going away as San Francisco I've got San Francisco winning by by 13 on this one this is it San Francisco rolls to the NFC championship you know you mentioned the lack of Dallas's run game I'm I'm not saying that it had to be this guy or that the result would have even changed against the Packers but don't you feel like in a way part of the thing they were lacking this year was the the real tough running game like they used to have not maybe last year but I'm talking like prime time Ezekiel Elliott, where you have that yin and yang of Pollard and Elliott. I feel a guy like that could have really helped them in a game like Green Bay because they had none of that for most of the year. And then when you don't have a running game, you put the ball in Dak dumbass's hands way too much. And then there's mistakes, there's fumbles, there's interceptions. I just maybe it's maybe it shouldn't have been a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe it shouldn't have been him, but it should have been a guy like that. I don't think Tony Pollard is a number one in the league. No, Tony Pollard's not. That's why it was so stupid at the trading deadline. Why Dallas? Whatever the cost. Jerry says he's never overspent for anything. You should overspent here. Send Tennessee a first round draft pick for Derrick Henry. You put Derrick Henry in this offense to be the pounder between the tackles, even if it's on expiring contract. You keep telling us you're in the championship window. Show us. Mm-hmm. Pull out all the stops and make it happen. They didn't do that. They lost to the youngest team to ever advance 
to the divisional round since the 1970 merger in this Packers team. Another reason why the Packers will be overloaded as well in this game against San Fran. San Fran's loaded with veterans. They know what time it is. They're not going to they're not going to be taken by surprise here by the Packers like the Cal Cowgirls were. Uh, what what kind of line does McCaffrey have? I'm I'm thinking at least a hundo and uh, I'm going to say two t- two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely going to have a hundred over a hundred yards combined, if not just a hundred yards rushing in itself. He's fully healthy. Couple touchdowns. You're going to see them do some things too, like again incorporate Debo Samuel yeah. and jet sweeps and quick things, and Kyle Uzcheck too for some quick passes off to the i mean there's just so much stuff that goes on with san francisco and the fact that they're big and bruising and they just love to get on that ground game with you it's total trouble for the pack it's a mismatch the best thing they can do is just hope their offense can keep up with them and eventually san francisco's defense is going to make adjustments especially they're going to play man against them not zone and in playing man if they're not going with four receivers steve wilkes is going to bring that extra guy in blitz and they're going to put more pressure on jordan love than dallas ever did they dropped freaking freaking micah parsons in coverage half the time in that game i still don't know what the fuck dallas was doing in that game underrated performance of the year i would say one of them is steve wilkes yeah, I'm still not a wilkes fan i still think if this team loses it's going to be because of steve wilkes yeah We'll see. I don't know. I mean, the one thing that I will tell you, I think we'll agree on this. It, it sure is nice to have a healthy Christian McCaffrey this time of year. I know he's he's obviously been healthy this time of year before, but, I, you know, he's had a lot of injuries where he's missed a lot of time. He's one of the best players in the NFL in the last five, six years. To have him healthy on a really good team, I think a lot of people are going to be impressed with Christian McCaffrey this time of year. Buccaneers and Lions Sunday afternoon, two o'clock. Ah, uh, man, I mean, you got to give it up to Todd Bowles and uh, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. How the hell they're here at this point, I don't know. And you know what? If you if you're a fan or a member of the organizations in New Orleans and Atlanta, shame on you. How is New Orleans not in the playoffs at this point? If you knew that you were going to get the lowly Philadelphia Eagles coming to your place. For that first weekend, coming to the Superdome, my goodness, you could have put up a 50 spot on that defense, but no, they choke. Dennis Allen chokes. The disaster that is Dennis Allen. I think the magic runs out here, though, Stone. I like the Lions at home. Yeah, you know, a couple interesting things here. I mean, (laughs) Trevor, do you know that the last time the Lions were a favorite in back-to-back playoff games the number one hit song on the radio was I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus back in December of 1952. Wow. That is how long it's been since Detroit's been in this situation as a favorite in back-to-back weeks. I mean, Goff, Goff did what he needed to do last week, um, but you could tell the Rams made adjustments against them and he could only get three points in the second half after those adjustments, even though everybody was telling him how great it was. Um, Bulls is coming to town here. Now Bulls is a good defensive coordinator. We know that, but the problem is with what Todd Bulls is, this is strictly just a mismatch. He is going to show coverage zero all the time and he's going to be bringing the house. That works against a team like Philly, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> who has nobody to pass to. But it does not work against a team like Detroit, who's got four receivers sitting there, and Jared, and everything goes on a quick, quick pass that this Brian Johnson. Johnson offense has so I think that's going to be a weakness for Tampa the good news for Tampa on the offensive side is again Detroit's secondary is total trash it has been their worst part of their team this year I mean you think about it Nick Mullins at the end of the season put almost 400 yards on this team and then the start he had three weeks before that against them he put 411 yards against them remember Dallas and crew too CD Lamb had over 200 yards on this crew you know Dak had a career day so I see Baker and company as long as you don't get Mike Alligator Arms Evans out there, you know, <laughs> missing missing catches left and right like he did in this game against Philly. They, 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 they could stay up with it here, and I think it could be a really great game and a high-scoring game. I'm tempted to take the over on this one. It's at 49 right now. I have not bet it yet. I'm deciding between this and I'm waiting for Kansas City to go to plus three. But that's what I'm deciding on between my third bet is the over on this game because I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. But I am in agreement with you. I think Detroit takes it. They're just an overall better offensive team, and their defense is slightly better as well, too. You don't need my advice because you're on a hot streak but dude i'd lock that in at the 49 right now i envision like a 31 28 34 28 type game i think it's going to be high scoring the only way that tampa bay can stick around which this could be a possibility with that run defense if detroit doesn't have really good success on those first couple of drives and then they get stupid with it and they abandon the run if Detroit abandons the run and becomes one-dimensional, it's going to be much closer than it should be. But if Detroit can somehow establish the run, they got to stick with it. Even if you're getting, you know, two yards a carry, I don't care. You got you got to stick with the the ground game, um, as painful as that can be sometimes. Chiefs and Bills. Uh, that'll wrap up the weekend Sunday at five thirty. This is Patrick Mahomes' first time on the road. So he's played at neutral sites, obviously for the Super Bowl, but. Heading to Buffalo, it's a different beast stone. I'm taking Buffalo at home. Yeah, I'm taking Buffalo at home as well. This is going to be the game of the week, but it's like I said, I'm looking to bet Kansas City because, again, we talk about when Mahomes is either a favorite or a dog, you know, less than three or whatever. His record's really, really good against the spread. However, Josh Allen also does quite well against the spread here as well. Whenever Allen is facing a defense who gives up 20 or less points as far as their scoring defense goes on the year, and Kansas City has that, I think their defense gives up around 18 because their offense only scores an average of 21. Uh, Allen is 26-1 and one. Wow. Against against teams that do that. So Allen knows how to slice and dice these defenses. So that's going to be the big thing. And Kansas City's offense, we've talked about it all season long. Something's still not right with them. It just isn't. Kelsey seems like he's lost a step. He's starting to show his age. These receivers quite aren't there. And even though Kansas City totally routed Miami, they still did not look good. They struggled in the red zone against that Miami D last week. And even because, <laughs> again, I think they went down six times and they only got, what, three touchdowns, two touchdowns? Mm-hmm. And 
and Miami's defense was still missing six starters. Yeah. So this, every, Mahomes and company want to talk about how hot shit they are or whatever. Well, we'll see how hot you are going on the road here, buddy, up into Buffalo, which is a team also that's rabid to put this to put this whole thing to rest. But we talk about always too how things always seem to be skewed for the lovely NFL darling Kansas City Chiefs. Well, we've got we got Mr. Hockley is going to be refing this game. There is nobody, there is nobody who gives more calls to the Kansas City Chiefs than at than Hockley and his crew. And Mahomes is eight and two as a starter when Hockley refs so, his games. Here's something else. Nobody penalizes the Buffalo Bills more than any <laughs> other crew to a rate of almost 14 penalties a game than Hockley and his cronies. You don't think the NFL is trying to set things up here? I'll tell you this. If this game gets botched and Kansas City wins because of some stupid ref call, the fix is in. Well, and well, and Buffalo has Josh Allen, which I like Josh Allen, but turnover-wise... We might have to start calling him like peach or apple turnover or something because the dude, he has plenty of them this year. So uh, we're predicting AFC championship, Buffalo, Baltimore, and then NFC side, your team and Detroit. Correct. So I'm going to spur this on you quick. I was thinking about this while I was cooking dinner tonight. All of these teams like Detroit's, if, if they advance, they've never won a Super Bowl, right? Correct. Your team, they, they, when's the last time you won a Super Bowl? 29 years ago. So it's been a while. The Bills, they've never won one, right? Correct. And then the Ravens won in, like, what, 2013? Yeah, to whatever, whenever they beat the yeah. Niners. I believe that that's when it was, either 2011 or 2013. So, like, honestly, like, if those are the matchups, if those are the teams that advance, I I kind of like that. Like, there's there's some new blood in the mix. Now, obviously, like, if Kansas City wins, like, they're the reigning champ. Tampa Bay won a few years ago with, with Tom, but... That seems like ages ago now. Houston's never won one, and obviously Green Bay has history, but it's like a new, uh, kind of a new, I don't know, a new era in a way. I mean, a lot of these guys have been here recently, but it kind of seems fresh in a way. It's kind of fun. Well, it is, and I think you're seeing, especially with Baltimore and San Francisco, arguably being the best two teams out there, as everybody kind of says, they're the favorites to go to the Super Bowl and win. They're doing it old school style. They're the run game first. Uh, they're risk averse as far as turning over the ball. They play strong defense. Yeah. It's classic smash mouth football, which is the way you used to win championships in this league. And Kyle and John now are kind of showing, yeah, we can get back to that. Even with these spread offenses, we can dial it up with some smart defense and whatever and ball control and throwing a couple, again, little wrinkles into the fire at the worst opportune time for the defense and whooping your ass. So it's, it's kind of great to see being well, Detroit and, and also in Buffalo kind of represent the new school, wide open offenses, yeah. you know, mobile quarterbacks, things of that nature. Um, no, it definitely could set up to be a nice final four. And like you said, we've got some new fresh blood getting in there as well, too. What's on the menu for this weekend? I have to go to Nodak. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not going to be even able to really cook or anything. I'm going to be on the road. I will be sitting my butt down for the Niner game somewhere. Yeah. But probably at a, probably at a Burger King rest stop somewhere. You can have it your (laughs) way. (laughs) 
Oh, my kids refuse to go to Burger yeah. King anymore. Oh, they well, I don't know if I blame them or not, but hey, you know what? <laughs> it's one of Hack's favorites, so I think that tells you something. So. Yeah, man. Shut up, fat boys. <laughs> Shut up, fat boys. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Trevor. Always a pleasure coming on on a free-for-all Friday. On the Trevor J. Brown Show. Shut up, fat boy. You're listening to the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Isaac Jensen here, owner of Jensen Sales Plus in Princeton. Looking to buy or sell on Craigslist, Amazon, or eBay? I can help you with that. Need help with an estate cleanout? I can help you with that, too. You can count on Jensen Sales Plus to not only meet, but to exceed all of your needs and requests. For more information, give me a call at 763-742-4583 or visit online at jensensalesplus.com. Jensen Sales Plus is a proud supporter of the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. After 80 years of learning his wildfire prevention tips, Smokey Bear lives within us all. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. And remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Here's your parting gift. Once again, here's Trevor. During my first commentary with this segment, I spoke about the summer of the fragile Gen Xer and millennial man. And by golly, they're getting triggered again this time by none other than Taylor Swift. Now I want to be upfront with you. I am not Taylor's demo. I've never met her, probably never will, and that's okay. I don't listen to her music all that often. I don't own a Taylor Swift CD or cassette. But if one of her bigger hits comes on, honestly, I'll probably turn it up. So are you ready for it? Boys, you need to calm down. Do you have some bad blood with Taylor? Okay, enough of me trying to put her song titles in this commentary. It's been done to death. But seriously, does the sight of a successful, beautiful woman intimidate you so that you must flock to X, the cesspool formerly known as Twitter, and crawl out from under your rock, put your sexist thoughts out into the world as if only your thought is valid, and then crawl back under that rock until tomorrow. Do it all again, spew more crap for your it crowd for your boys on X. Did you know that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. They show her at every game. People ask if she's there. People wonder if she's there. The commentators comment on her appearance and if she's there or not. I get, you may get annoyed by that. I've made fun of that on my socials, but I'm not losing sleep over it. I don't care. It's just something to talk about. But then there are the people who are actually losing sleep over it. Like last weekend with Taylor in attendance at the playoff game in Kansas City. The entire crowd was dancing. Taylor was dancing. People were having fun. There was actually some joy. They were having a great time. Yet the Gen Xer and Millennial Man on X, they could not stand for that. I sifted through so many comments about how annoying she is. How she's an attention whore and some other colorful language. I also saw stuff talking about how she uses so much jet fuel for her tour. Her carbon footprint must be massive, and she goes on tour and flies back home to see her boyfriend, and she's traveling all over the place, then she's back on tour, back to see her boyfriend. That person on X said Taylor shouldn't have a platform to tell people how to vote. Talk about fragile. Talk about triggered. Yet again, the dudes that didn't want to talk about their feelings? Well, they sure do have a lot of feelings these days. They put them out all on X. 
And they aren't even feelings of worth. They're feelings of envy. They're feelings of disappointment as they look in the mirror at themselves and their shortcomings. The crappy job they have, the significant other who could care less about them, the broken family that they helped create. They will never be the world's biggest pop star. They will never have a private jet. They'll never date another celebrity. They'll never be a billionaire. They'll never even be a millionaire. They will never have the world give a damn about them. Taylor Swift is the biggest pop star America has seen since Michael Jackson. And Taylor, I know you won't hear this, but please keep doing everything you're doing because it's driving my Gen Xer and millennial man friends nuts. It's because of their shortcomings. And I want to apologize to you and every woman out there for these losers. They don't speak for us all. Please know that. They don't speak for us all. They just speak the loudest. And they are the most fragile, triggered of all. And fellas, shine up those participation trophies and keep telling yourself that you're important because no matter how you slice it, one of the most important influential people in the universe is female. And that drives you nuts. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. So my advice to you, shake it off. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good night. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is produced by Inherent Dream Production Company. Welcome to the Inherent Dream Podcast Network, home to 763, the local morning show, the Trevor J. Brown Show, and bonus content Saturdays. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Inherent Dream and follow us on X at Inherent Dream. This is the Inherit Dream Podcast Network.